Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Hey, you know, every once in a while, I find another story practitioner who preaches the same truths that I teach, birds of a feather, really. Another who understands this simple but often overlooked idea of how much our stories matter, how powerful we can be when we realize the power in our stories and our ability to write them with intention. Well, today, yay, is one of those days. Amy Chandler is an entrepreneur who helps people become an active agent of their story. She is the founder of a nonprofit called My Story Matters, which is perfect, that started forming about 15 years ago. So stay tuned for our talk because Amy has been in correctional facilities, in elementary schools, in high schools, all over the place, helping people tell their stories. And I think you'll like hearing about her adventures and seeing what they tell you about the importance of your own story. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. So Amy Chandler is here today, and she understands her mission is to empower people with the tools and the resources they need to write their own story. And as they do write their own story, they choose to claim and create the future that they want to achieve. So she is right up our alley. She knows that within each of us is a unique skill set designed to help us achieve far more than we realize. And I need to be reminded of that all the time. So I'm excited to talk to Amy today. Amy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Lori. I'm excited to be here. I'm happy to talk story all day long. Perfect. Me too. (laughs) We'll have to limit ourselves. (laughs) It's the truth. Let's start off with what you do in My Story Matters. So what do you do and who do you do it with? I'm the founder of My Story Matters. Um, Like you said, it started about 15 years ago. And um, I get to spend my day um, helping individuals really find voice for their story. And although we briefly speak of their past Um, we spend the bulk of our time finding hope and belief in an incredible future that they have the power to create for themselves. And so we like to say that we, we reach to the past and we find our strengths out of those stories. We find the gifts and talents that have come from there. And we find the lessons learned. And then we use those as the building blocks to launch our future. And, um, and so I get the opportunity to really just sit with people in lots and lots of spaces. Um, like you mentioned, we're, you know, we have a curriculum for schools where teachers can can teach these um, amazing um, story building blocks to their kids. We have um, the opportunity to be amongst lots of different communities, like the homeless shelters, um, the prisons, places where people have kind of lost all hope, where they wonder um, if there is a future for them that's worth you know, going after if there's any hope of of change for them at all. Um, We get to be in a lot of treatment centers and addiction recovery homes. Um, We teach community classes. I sit um, with moms who are trying to figure out the next chapter of their life. They drop the baby off to kindergarten. Now what? 
or um, their last child just left the house. And is there another chapter? And, and is there more for me to create, right? Um, we sit with um, business executives, helping them write the next story for their company and, and helping their employees gain that same vision of what's ahead. Really, um, what we do and where I get to go is to be with individuals ready to change something in their life. And we empower them with the tools they need to go after the future they want. So where do you find these people or where do they find you? Um, you can come to our website, mystorymatters with an S.org, and you can um, click through the different options there to, to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for something in the schools or you're looking for something maybe in the incarcerated space or the addiction space or teens, adults, wherever you're coming, you can come and, and kind of follow the channels to get you into the tools and resources that we have there. So do you just have government grants that are helping pay for like the correctional facility work and the school work or how, how did, how do you get? Yeah, I, sh- I should say that I should say we put on the part-time hat of grant writer. I do a lot of grant writing, um, looking for funding in lots of spaces. We're always looking for um, new places for that. Most of our work up to this point has been supported by individuals, individuals that are inspired by what we do and have the ability to give and they pay it forward in the spaces where individuals can't pay for themselves. Um, we have several um, large foundations who have got behind us and and given us grants to grow as well. And the goodness of many is what makes this work. I noticed from your website that there was a time where you actually helped elementary school kids do their story. And then you actually printed up books of their story with pictures of them and all of that. How much of that do you still do? And what does it look like when you help someone find their story and tell their story? It's one of our favorite parts. We still do this. Individuals still publish their story when they work with us because there is so much power when an individual can push like publish. My story is ready for print. It is ready to be shared um, with those in this world that the the self-esteem boost, if you will, just that empowerment of like, I have a story worthy of sharing and it's ready to be shared is so powerful. And so we do have them still go online. They, they build their books and they create them. We have an online publishing platform that they go to and they, they use one of our templates and they plug in the stuff that they've been writing throughout our course and, and they publish that so that they remember the path of coming from where they are now to where they're going. And they remember all the steps and all the tools that are necessary to do so successfully. So can you tell us, um, we want to hear some stories in your work, um, share a couple stories of watching people step into their power as they own their stories. Oh man. So we've published almost 7,000 stories to date. And so you want me to choose a couple. Um, (laughs) one, one that I, the first one that came to mind, we'll run with that one. I have a gentleman who I met in jail, uh, for the first time and he had made a lot of really poor choices that he was not happy with. And as we were trying to help him claim the identity that he wanted to lead with for the rest of his life into this next chapter, he, he struggled. He was like, well, I'm a dad. And I really like, I'd love it to kind of be around that. And we tried to get him like, can you write? Like, I am a great dad. I'm a good father. Like, what do you, what is it you want to aim for? And he's like, oh, I, I can't, I can't say those things. I can't write those things. I'm in, I'm in jail. Like I'm not a great dad. I'm not a good father. And we talked to them about how we write it in present tense as if this is already happening, even though it's uncomfortable and we're far from that in, in this chapter right now. And and so he was like, no, I just, I'm going to think about it this week. And then the next week he was like, okay, I can say I'm a father. 
I'll say it out loud. I am a father. I'm like a great father, good father. What do you want to put in there? He's like, no, I'm a father. I said, all right, well, we'll start there. And week by week, he eventually was able to come in and he was like, I can write that I'm that. And he would point to his paper. He wrote, I am a good father, but he still couldn't verbalize it. And a few weeks later, he could verbalize it. And then he came in confident one day, like, I'm a great father. I'm a great father. And on his final day of class, I will never forget this. He, uh, it makes me teary eyed as I try to say this, but he walked in. And before I even ask anybody about the day, he walked straight to the front of the room and he gave me the biggest high five with a huge smile on his face. And he said, I am father of the year. (laughs) And he had completely transformed his actions in that three month period, completely different human being on the inside. And that's what we help them do in that space is change who they are before they ever leave that facility so that when they get out, they are changed. And so he he would act as if he was father of the year. So he talked like father of the year on the inside. He had behaviors of father of the year on the inside and everyone spoke of this completely from the officers to his cellmates, to the people in the, in the block, he was a different man and someone who could be father of the year. And he was owning that. And so it sounds like you really understand the idea of mindset. Like before we can be or do anything, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves will create who we are. That story that we repeatedly tell ourselves is what we will create and what we will become. And so it sounds like your work is doing a very important part of creating the right mindset so that we can move forward and transform and create our stories with intention. Absolutely. The the work that we do is is very science-based in that we are literally reprogramming neural pathways in the brain. We are building new brain pathways to new things. And it requires incredible intention, has to be very specific to rewire the brain, right? And so we're very, very intentional about what we do there. And I had someone ask me once, like, oh man, all these stories you've heard, how would you like sum all this up? And I thought on that for a really, really long time. And what um, I kind of boiled it all down to, um, which doesn't necessarily give it credence that it needs, but what I what I boiled it down to was when we give voice and energy um, to our war stories, the things that have wounded us, the things that have, have provided trauma and, and all of the things that are challenging us, when we give our voice and our energy to those war stories, um, it consumes us. And it creates that feeling of like, you know, overwhelm and discouragement and depression and sadness and anxiety and all the things. And I also know that when we give voice and energy to our champion story, it transforms us. And that's what we're building on. So we we give all of our efforts and, and the work that we're doing inside of our courses is built on that champion story and how we will truly transform into being our very best self. You talk about claiming and creating a life of miracles. What does that mean to you? I have learned the principle of surrender. Um, so often we can get really caught up in wanting to know how everything works from A to B. <laughs> and we want A, B, C, D, E, F, G before we ever take the step of A. And I have learned um, in this process of creating our story that when we will let go of the control and when we will just seek that next step, we are led to incredible 
incredible places that we maybe wouldn't have seen before. And I, I consider those miracles. And so I do every single morning, my vision statement, I write it out. And one of the things I write every single morning is I claim, create, seek, and expect miracles daily. And I believe that what we choose, when we choose into the role of creator of our story, um, we can choose to create miracles. And I watch them unfold every day between someone having the courage to move from I'm a father to I am father of the year. That's incredible courage still inside jail, right? Or whether I see an individual show up and say, I don't know why I'm supposed to be here, but I I felt led here. Or, you know, I had a gentleman who we've been helping. He's been out of jail for, I don't know, six, eight months. And he called yesterday and said, I prayed to God that I needed out of my house and I needed to serve somebody. And I called you today. So what do you need? And I needed help moving a whole ton of boxes. And I said, that's all I have for you. And he said, let me be your miracle, right? Because he knows that I claim, create, seek, and expect those daily. And so sometimes it looks like somebody helping me move boxes that I just didn't know how I was going to finish the project on my own. Sometimes it's someone literally transforming their life. Um, and it's everything in between. It's everything in between. Do you do this with normal everyday people, like help them do their story? Like, is there any yes. kind of a coaching space where you do this or is it just for people in specific groups? Like, no, no, we, we help people in all spaces. Um, if you have something you want to change in your story, if you have something you want to transform, whatever that is these tools work and they help you. So we're, that's why, you know, you're supposed to have your little target demographic, you know, our topic demographic is humans. And we believe that we are all equal in this work. The hero's journey, the work that is needed to transform our stories is for every single human. And so when I go into some of those more troubled spaces, my first message to them is we didn't write something for broken people or for addicted people or for homeless people or for incarcerated individuals. We wrote something for humans and you are a human and you deserve the very best tools. And we're here to teach you how to take control of your story. And that's our message everywhere. Any human who desires change, we're here. Very inclusive. I'd, yeah. I'd really like to hear about what you call, quote, dealing with life's detours through the growth zone. Tell me about that. Oh man, none of us get to have a life with no detours, right? Like, I mean, when I was like younger, oh, you know, you're in like second grade, third grade, you think you can tackle the whole world. You got it all figured out, right? And then, And then life's like, yeah, you can tackle it all and you can figure it out, but it doesn't look anything like what you thought it was going to be, right? You know, that's how Love Your Story started because I was trying to think of what, and my listeners already know this, but trying to think about what could I do my PhD research on? Like what question was there that I really wanted to mm. spend another seven years researching? And the question was super simple. Was did everybody's life turn out as they expected? Which to me now is just the dumbest question ever. But at the time I was so not, I was so uncomfortable with my own yeah. story. I just wanted to know if I was the only one that was uncomfortable. And 19 out of 20 people's lives did not turn out as they expected. Um, and it was... I, the more I've learned, the more um, interviews, the more stories I hear, and also, you know, watching my children grow up, they grow up, as did I, with an expectation of, you know, what life was going to hold. And we don't grow up thinking about divorce or abuse or, you know, rape or, you know, things mm -hmm. happening to us. We, that's not, you picture yeah. white picket fences and you picture 
romantic love and you picture a successful career and whatever that is, all those detours are not the things that you picture. But I think that coming to that space and everybody has to accept it sooner or later, but if you can realize that life does have all of those detours and if you fight them and feel like a failure and feel shame around them, it's such a place to get stuck. Whereas if you understand it's the process of messy living and you just do the best and learn what you can in each of them, it makes a completely different story. Oh, absolutely. And that's actually one of the things that, that we do very intentionally is that we actually, um, teach and coach that you should be prepared for them, expect them because there are daily detours and growth is uncomfortable. And so we teach them how to meet the response that they're feeling both in their body and in their mind, whenever these detours arise, whatever that looks like, you, you miss the bus. I mean, it can be as simple as that towards these really traumatic events that might happen. No matter what that is, we teach them to meet the way that their body and their mind are actually responding with power to understand what's happening and then make a choice to choose how they're going to grow and not be defeated and go back to the way things were before, right? And so we actually teach them that growth is uncomfortable. And so what we're inviting you to do in this incredible life that you're creating is to actually get good at being uncomfortable. Because you will never be happy if you're not growing. And so get good at uncomfortable. And we teach them how to get good at uncomfortable and expect it and expect a daily detour. You know, I did an interview earlier on this year with uh, Margaret Maloney. Her book came out, um, Death with a Little D. And it was basically not talking about the death of humans, but the death of expectations in mm. our life about little things, whether it's missing the bus or whatever, but that they happen daily. And if yep. we if we can go to that space of expectation, kind of, you know, not, not that you're walking around with a pessimistic mm -hmm. point of view, but just with an acceptance that life, the adventure of life is going to throw twists and turns mm -hmm. your way. And, you know, with like the rule of evolution, those who learn to adapt will navigate it best and survive. And those who fight it will not. So yeah, there's a lot of truth yeah. in that. We, we teach the power of the word and, and, you know, so you can say, Man, that was a very, very hard thing that just happened. And I'm strong. And I have a community of people I've built that will walk me through this. And it might be long and it might take time. And I have time and I am capable. And, I, you know, whatever, like to build their champion story with the word and instead of a defeat. Right. And so, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, you wouldn't choose it. Yes, all of those things give voice to that. That's honesty. That's truth. And, and we can't avoid and pretend like we don't feel that way. And you're amazing and you're strong and you're courageous and you're capable. Like find those words that move you because you're also all those things, even in those little D moments. I kind of, I love how you said that. This is an extraordinarily powerful tip. I have a little post-it note stuck up on my desk and it says blank happened and now blank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's the same thing of whatever yeah. the disappointment was, instead of staying stuck in it or mired and frustrated, it's just, and now this. Like, what is the step moving forward to move away from it to whatever? Maybe it's heal from it. Maybe it's deal with it. Maybe, it, you know, whatever it is. But yeah. it, and now 
what instead of staying in that stuck place. That, that little tiny word is incredibly powerful. Mm, okay. I want more stories. What stories do you have of working with these interesting people? I had an individual who he was he was getting out of incarceration and he had identified that he had to completely change all of his communities. He realized that if he went back to the same places and to the way they'd always been, there would be a challenge. But he was returning to a, a spouse and children and his parents had offered for him to move in with them. And he had identified through the work that we do that that actually wasn't good for him, that he became complacent and he went back to old habits, even though his parents loved him and they were kind. And that's why they were reaching out with that. He recognized that was not good for him. And so when he got out, he sat down his whole family and he, he drew out this little piece of our model that we teach and he taught them all the things. And then he said, now I need to share my story. And he just said, mom and dad, I love that you love me and that you're providing this opportunity for my family to move in here. And I've identified that I allow myself to be enabled and get complacent and make poor choices there. So this has nothing to do with you, but I can't be my best self in that space. And, and so my family and I are not going to live with you. I love the communication there. We are going to figure out. Yeah. We teach them to have these boundary filled conversations. And so we, and he just said, um, and it's going to be harder for us. We understand that. Like we're going to have to work multiple jobs. We're going to have to work incredibly hard to do it this way. And I know that that's the next step and I'm strong and capable. And and he, he went on and, and he said, and so I just need you to know, I still love you. Still love to be a part of your life. Still love to be connected. And I'm, and we're not going to live with you. And I want to say thank you for the opportunity. And his 14-year-old son had just gotten out of juvenile detention for his own stuff. And this young man who only had that little tiny bit of knowledge said, dad, if I understand you correctly, then I shouldn't move in with you and mom because I think I view you as persecutors. I I know you love me, but I feel like you're really hard on me. And I don't, I, I turn you away. I don't even listen, even when it's good advice, but with grandpa and grandma, it's different. They push me, they challenge me and I am my best self with them. So can I ask them if I can stay with them while I figure me out and you guys figure you out. And everyone at the table was like, what just happened? First of all, that wow. kind of communication doesn't happen very often in these spaces. And, and I talked to the parents later and they were like, we have never had that kind of communication, right? And they all agreed using this really empowered model of what their roles would be, where they would go and how they would still stay connected. And so this young man moved in with grandpa and grandma and he had gone from Juna Hall doing horrible in school, struggling in the social center into this new school, you know, an hour away thriving straight A's made the basketball team doing incredible things he completely rebuilt what he was what his chapter of his story was looking like mom and dad working their tails off building a new story getting multiple promotions huge success and then that summer after that school year they reunited as a family into a new home and are building a new life together and it's just inspiring me to watch individuals make that much drastic change with pieces of information that empowered them to just have a conversation that didn't have to end in yelling and screaming and and pointing of fingers and blame and shame and any of that. None of that was a part of any of that that I just shared. It was just, I love you and I'm empowered to make change. And so that's one that I just have loved, like a big drastic change and incredible outcome. That is so powerful. And 
I love that, you know, we as humans, we look for models. So the fact that the, the father could demonstrate a communicative model um, set up mm-hmm. the platform for his son to say, I want to communicate with you in that way too. Let's do this. Wow. What a learning opportunity. What a really beautiful outcome. Do you have any, I'd like to hear some youth stories. There's a lot of um, youth that struggle. Do you have any stories of, and by youth, I guess I'm meaning more teenagers, middle-aged teens. Oh, they're my favorite. I know everybody's my favorite. I love working with the teens and we have the opportunity to work with a group of teens who were really struggling they were what, you know, society labeled as failure to launch. You know, they they weren't doing well in school, didn't look like they were going to graduate, certainly had no idea of college or career or anything. Um, and so they were kind of selected and um, incentivized to come to a class with us um, and take this course um, to get them there, right? Help them with detention hours, all those kinds of things. And so they were there for all the wrong reasons in the beginning, right? They were coming to be paid and to get rid of detention hours. They weren't there to listen to me. But um, as we as we moved through it, they started to really see the power of what we were teaching. And they became hungry for the possibility that this could work for them. And there was one young man who was very, very quiet. He had come, um, he was in his 14th foster home. And lots of change, lots of transition, lots of trust issues, lots of just hard in his story. And as we ask him, what is it you want? Like, what's your dream? What do you want? You know, he was extremely reserved, struggling to find voice for it. But he would just finally always say, I want to be an electrician. I want to be an electrician. I want to be an electrician. But there was like no passion and emotion behind that. When he would write about it, like I couldn't feel it. And so I kept saying, why do you want to be an electrician? Why do you want to be an electrician? He just kept saying, that's what I want. Stop telling me it's wrong. And I was like, it's not wrong. I just want to know why I'm so intrigued, you know? And after class one day he stayed and I just looked at him and we'll call him John. And I just said, John, why an electrician? And he said, my dad was an electrician. And I said, your foster dad or your bio dad? And he said, my bio dad. And I said, when's the last time you saw him? And he said, well, I was two months old when I went into foster care. I never met him. And I said, do you know what an electrician does? And he said, no. And I said, ah, that's why I can't feel it. You don't even know what it is. And I said, so why do you think it's important for you to be an electrician? And he said, because then I can find my dad. If I'm an electrician, I'll meet other electricians and I'll find my dad. And I realized, I mean, the pain, right? The pain of that statement. And so I said to him, I said, you know what? I don't know if you're going to be an electrician or not. And I said, but would you be open to doing a job shadow with an electrician so you at least know what it is? And he said, sure. So I got on the phone and I called a bunch of electricians till someone was willing to take this kid along for an afternoon after school. And on the job site, he met, there was a bunch of construction crew around and he fell in love with the plumbers. He loved what they were doing. He was fascinated. He asked the plumber a hundred questions. He asked the electrician like five. He was so fascinated with plumbing. And he came back to the next class and he said, I am going to be a plumber. It is fantastic because if I'm a plumber, I'll hang out with electricians, but I actually want nothing to do with what they're doing. I want to be a plumber. And he immediately got in and he got an internship to be a plumber and um, is, is in the trades and getting his certifications. And he is thriving and so happy and um it's fun for me when they can really find 
what that is, even if they're in the discovery mode, right? Like sometimes we attach our hopes and our dreams and the things we're chasing to pieces of our story that carry pain because we think that's what will heal them. And it might, but oftentimes we're attached for the wrong reasons. And if we can like peek open a door and actually, you know, discover why that piece of that story, sometimes we find what we're really meant to do. So why do you think, um, we're just winding up here toward the end, why do you think that everybody's story matters? And in what way do they matter? I absolutely believe that every single one of us came here with a skill set that is needed for this time in the spaces in which we are. And so often we try to to morph and mold into what everybody else is telling us we should be or or shouldn't be even. And um, we forget to own our story. We think that our story will matter because we did X or our story will matter because we're associated with so-and-so or uh, we feel like we have to almost earn that value, if you will. Sure. And I am here to like just with every fiber of my being say to everyone, I, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror tonight and say, my story matters, period. It matters now. It matters where it's at. It matters. Every piece of it matters. And it matters to you. And when you can step into your story in that way, you'll figure out who else in the world needs it. Mm. Do you have any final advice for us? As we all strive to, to love our story. You know, I think the fact that our story matters is key on that path of loving our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the choice is yours. The only person holding you back from having whatever you want is you. So the choice is yours. Will you choose in to saying, I am the creator of my story? I will pick up the pen. I will author what's moving forward. And what I can promise you is that no matter where you've been or what has been in the past, I know this to be true. Your past will come into perspective for you as you claim and create your future. Take the time to to find your vision, to decide what you want and to give it voice, to write it down and to start to create it and then claim it for yourself because it's yours for the taking. Amy, thank you for being here. Thanks for the opportunity. Lori, we could we could talk for days, days <laughs> yes, and days and days. Could. I love everything you do and um, have learned so much from, from the episodes that you've put out. So our stories matter. Thanks for being in the space of storytelling. Thank you. Why do our stories matter? Well, I think they matter on multiple levels. They matter to us individually because they are literally the playing out of our lives. They matter to us because we want to have adventure and fun and love and accomplishment and satisfaction and growth. We want to have great stories. They matter to us because if our lives don't matter, the foundation of purpose starts to dissolve. Our stories also matter from a simple space of empowerment. When you know who you are and the power you have to create just what you want, you begin to realize that you are powerful, that you matter, that ties us and our stories, that that ties us all together, that we all matter to each other. Our stories matter to each other because we are all in the same giant play. Our characters interact, we benefit from each other and we share with one another and we hurt one another. And sometimes we set off domino effects, gosh, every day that matter to many people in good ways and in bad ways, in 
kind and in cruel ways. We shine a light on the way ahead of us as we share our stories and as we support one another. No one does life alone. And therefore, we need each other and like it or not, acknowledge it or not, our lives are woven together like a tapestry. We are almost inseparable. Our living, our loving, our growing, our falling down, our mistakes, our being, it matters deeply to the world, to each of us and to ourselves. So to say that there is no purpose or that nothing matters could be farther from the truth. The challenge for this week, take the opportunity to let someone in your life know how much their life affects you, how much they matter to you, how much effect they have on you. I think that conversation will be interesting and can be powerful. Share this episode. Yes, as always, we can share the good and create the good in the world as we share these insightful conversations. So share this episode with even just one person this week, more if you're willing to go the extra mile. And remember that your story matters. Your story matters.